Welcome on board the leadership of fools. We figured out our port from our starboard and we're ready to discuss some business dilemmas. Ahoy, mateys. Today's episode tackles the topic, what does a senior manager need to do to make the grade as an executive? The conversation covers how the role of executive is different to senior management. Whatever you are, be a good one. Executives lead through systems and culture, not just tasks and people. Choosing between what is right and what is right. And a very obvious pivot to attract new fans to the ship. Welcome to all of you Trekkies out there. Today's guests, Adam Ferguson and Kieran Fitzpatrick. Adam is an executive and investor in tech with a passion for coaching. Kieran is a leader within global hospitality and events, and also an amateur cook. Welcome on board, the leadership of fools. We are heading out. We've got wind in the sails, and I'm cock-a-hoop with excitement. Uh, we've got the crew prepped and ready to go. Joining me, as always, just to keep everything ship-shape and in order, is Colin Beatty. Delight. Delight as always. There's just non-stop delight pouring out of every essence of your being right now. Uh, as I have requested, any lack of delight causes me anxiety, Colin, and you know what? that. Um, but you've got the delight meter well and truly humming. Well, I'm a little worried about you now, Rick. Um, Should I be worried? Never worry about me. That's uh, As captain, I like to create a worry-free atmosphere. Uh, I shelter you from all concerns, hopefully. Um, but, and I'm going to get you warmed up, Colin, to get your mind off any worries you might have about me or anything. Um, and I'm, like, I'm wanting to know right here, right now, are there any movies or TV shows, Colin, that might have inspired you in any leadership way or that you've drawn leadership lessons from? Uh, indeed. In fact, I just want to give a shout out to Amanda Buckley, who happens to be in the room. She's always me, hovering. She's, she's always, always on hovering. the ship. That's right. Just, <laughs> who just gave me need. some you know, inspiration and insight. And she reminded me that West Wing would always be a wonderful TV show to learn mm. a lot about leadership from. Yeah. And, and I do. It's all uh, about how to make lots of decisions while walking in a hallway. That's uh, what West Wing taught me. Walk and walk and decide. Walk and walk decide. decide. The walk and talk. Yep. Uh, and yeah, in fact, and the sense of as a leader having advisors mm -hmm. and ultimately being uh, holding mm -hmm. yourself to account to make that final call. Who can also walk and advise? <laughs> That's right. Um, geez, uh, wouldn't. West Wing have done well in the age of Fitbits. They could have all had Fitbits on while they were walking and talking, walking and advising, and you just wouldn't you, you wouldn't have noticed it. They wouldn't have drawn attention, but every now and then you'd see that they were all wearing Fitbits, um, yeah. and that just would have been the sweetest product placement ever. They're getting their steps up while they're running the world. Um, no, that's a good call. Um, lucky you had Amanda Buckley here to advise you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, that's right. Much like, see, you it's did a learn very from parallel West Wing. process. <laughs> Take advice. That's what you've learned. Uh, and to my right, it's Kieran Fitzpatrick. Absolute pleasure to be on board again, Rick. Thanks for having me. And uh, so you know the question: um, What <clears throat> movie or TV show have you drawn some leadership uh, lessons from? I default back to uh, that 1990s classic, Spin City. Not for the, uh, not for the. Um, Michael J. Fox. Yeah, Michael yeah. J. Fox. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got a politics theme running through our uh, running through our answers. Not here. for the series itself, just for a line within it that I've always remembered when one he was line, advising the uh, the mayor. He was the deputy mayor in that uh, in that comedy you might recall. He was advising the mayor one day, and he said, "In the absence of true leadership, people will follow the next best thing." I thought that uh, has always resonated with me as a, yeah. as a very true statement. Did you get it tattooed on you somewhere in I Chinese have, characters? I have got it on my left buttock. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness for audio. <laughs> and rounding out the crew today, I realise just now that I haven't actually checked what your name is. I'm going to take a stab. It's Adam Ferguson. Very good, Rick. Nailed it. See, so that's how you get to be captain of a ship. You just pick a name at random and it's right. <laughs> 
I might have read some emails that have stuck in my mind. Well done, me. Um, uh, welcome to the ship, uh, Great Adam, to be here. Adam Ferguson. Great to be whose here. Whose name I definitely know. <laughs> um, and uh, the question, of course, that we're all trying to tackle here is a movie or TV show that you've drawn some leadership lessons from. Well, I, I was trying to think back to the, the early 70s and, and watching The Love Boat, but nothing really came to me, Rick. Yeah. Um, so I'll go with something a bit more recent. Yeah. I've been watching uh, House of Cards. Oh, uh, the, the politics trifecta yes, we've got. Yes, the, 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 I'm at the back end of the first series. So I've got to say, the leadership lessons in House of Cards are murky at best. They are, um, they are. I'm really worrying how far you're willing to go to achieve <laughs> your, your, your goals. Well, interesting, I was, I was uh, intrigued by uh, Kevin Spacey's mm-hmm. uh, role yes. uh, as Frank Un- Underwood and, and actually drawn to him as a leader initially and liked his clarity and purpose and drive. Uh, but then it started to, as I watched more episodes, I thought, there's something wrong here. Yes. And uh, certainly his uh, commitment and just uh, determination to, to succeed at all costs mm-hmm. uh, is a, a pretty big lesson. And, and we're seeing that with uh, AMP and cricket and, and other things where yep. uh, people going too far to, to, to succeed. So you're drawing a what not to do kind of uh, lesson from House of Cards. Well, then I can relax. Uh, <laughs> Because uh, I was really feeling like if you wanted to be captain of the ship, I was the first in line to be thrown overboard <laughs> with your House of Cards mentality. Well, thank God you got my name wrong. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So is it the seduction of power Power that's um, intriguing for you? Like it's uh, As him as a leader? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I liked his influencing skills. I liked his clarity in what he was wanting to achieve. He just seemed like he was in control. And then there's but, the dark side. Correct. And that yep. comes through and just uh, overtakes him to the point where his behaviours and actions are completely inappropriate. Yeah, wow. Wow. And I and I know what's coming next in terms of our dilemma, and could be could be something we could continue to explore as we could with yours, Kieran. Uh, I learned everything that I need to know about leadership and teamwork from the classic uh, '80s show, The A Team. Uh, I can't believe no one's brought this up. Um, Hannibal was an amazing leader. He uh, he just loved it when a plan came together, and I think leaders can all learn from that. And he also assembled an amazing team who all brought something to the table. Um, Mr. T, yeah, Mr. Mr. T. T. He was afraid of flying, but nothing else. Um, and um, uh, yeah, I think Hannibal, he was a, he was a quiet yet uh, firm and decisive leader. And I've modelled my entire life on that. I drive a van just, and I keep trying to find three wacky people to join my team. No one as yet has stuck around long enough to solve a crime. I'm hopeful that uh, my future is full of effective Hannibal-led teamwork. Um, <laughs> Challenge for us all. Let us get stuck into a dilemma here today. Uh, what I'm wanting to discuss with you guys is um, it's... what. Why do successful senior managers fail to make the grade as an executive? We've got a lot of people who are ticking them boxes at that senior senior level, but they can't take that leap. What's going on, Colin? So inherent in that question is that there is a difference. So there's a difference between uh, the role of management and even senior management, mm-hmm. and then there's this word called being an executive. And um, I'm going to start this with you, Adam, because you and I... Uh, I reckon we've, A, talked about this in the past and, B, tried to coach and teach others to make that transition. And it's not an easy transition and some people, I still think, probably not only didn't make it but didn't even get what you we were asking of them. 
We, we've certainly shared those conversations and that journey, Cole. Um, and it's a, it's, it's a pretty big question. And, and I think uh, the challenge with it is there's there's no silver bullet here and one answer. And, the, and for each individual and each organisation and each executive team, I think the, the, the reasons are, are different. So I think it's a pretty big topic to explore. Uh, but uh, you, you, you're right, we've uh, certainly seen differences in the people that, that we've, we've worked with. So when I say the word executive, um, what's important to you? The Macquarie Dictionary defines executive as... No. What is an executive? I want to know. What is the difference? Uh, that, no, that's a hard question in itself. The, uh, We're not leaving the uh, ship until no, we answer not it. at all. No, so I think the, uh, uh, being able to, to set a vision, to drive a, a alignment and, and clarity as to where the organisation is going um, so that we can achieve what the organisation is trying to achieve. Uh, but that, that executive um, is a leader in business, a leader in culture, a leader in people. Uh, so I, th I think there are many facets to being an executive. Do you know what I reckon... Um, it gets to and gets to pretty quickly. It's when you're in an executive role, you are working the system uh, and the system might include those big words like culture uh, versus when I'm in management or even senior management, I'm working uh, the team, the task, the mandate, but all of a sudden I move into this more uh, nuanced and complex and ambiguous term, like I'm now working a system, a marketplace, a, a culture, and um, I wonder whether that's part uh, of the confusion. Spot on, Colin, and, and certainly when I made that step uh, into being an executive, that wasn't really explained to me. Right. And uh, so all of a sudden I'm, I'm doing what I did as a, as a senior manager and starting to find that it's not working. And, and, and understanding and learning that there is a change in the role and what, I, what the tools and the approach I need to take to be successful, all of a sudden I had to work that out. Yeah. And, and that, that in itself was uh, both uh, time consuming and, uh, and challenging. And, and I am gonna, I'm gonna pick up with you, uh, Kieran, but the, maybe the paradox of this is sometimes I think as an executive you need to do less. Um, and uh, what I've noticed in senior managers... Also, managers. executives would have you believe. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> We've all got together and agreed. we got to do a lot less, guys. And get paid more yeah. for it. Get paid more, okay, actually. Because yeah, we're going to be operating more effectively. So I think that needs to be reflected in our pay rise. Yes. But we won't be coming in uh, Mondays, Wednesdays or Fridays. Yes. <laughs> Rick, I'm glad you're on the ship today to, to, call, to call the bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Kieran. Uh, I totally agree with that comment. I think, uh, in fact, I'm Which comment? <laughs> not Rick's. Oh, what? Is, it's embedded in truth. You're out of the 18th. Uh, <laughs> no, no, your comment around, uh, we, I default to my own language on that. Uh, um, one key line on a whiteboard in my office is choose what not to do because you'll be choose what, what not, not to, to do. do. Yeah, because that, that they become the most important choices you make, I think. Um, so then if you, if you step that back to, um, you know, executives setting the path, managers uh, executing the path, um, and, the, and the question at the heart of this is I think that what most managers do is, and, and it's actually true at every layer, uh, people step into a new role and a new unknown and they default back to the safe. They don't embrace the fear. Um, and it's, it's 
it, it's actually human nature, I think. Uh, but if you consciously sort of set your mind in a direction that allows you to brace, embrace that fear and say, well, what is my role? What do people depend on me to do in this space? And how do I play my part in it? Um, I think you start to get to logical conclusions as to what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing. So is that a question of, of the priorities that you're choosing in terms of what not to do? Or is it more about letting go of some of the tasks and being you know, consumed by doing tasks rather than what's actually going to make you effective? I, I think it's a combination of both. I, I think you you need to have a really... I think you used the uh, the word there before, Adam, in terms of setting a clear vision. Uh, you know, I always say to people, you know, if, you, if you're going to fail in anything, well, fall on your own sort. Um, so, and, and invariably, people that um, you know that that your own vision, your own yeah, yeah. Don't don't fall on someone else's. Don't default back to the past. Don't take the baton and run the same race that's been run. Uh, your job is to take it forward um, and pick up from where it was left off. A lot of people have been disqualified from relay races <laughs> for following that advice. Uh, <laughs> and you just you got to follow the track, mate. Uh, so, so in that, it's embracing the the fear, and then I think you know with with it comes a clarity as you start to say, well, I'm in this role for a reason. Uh, here's what I think. You, you find your own voice and then you choose what not to do, which is what you used to do, and allow other people to grow into those roles and, and execute what they need to execute. Adam mentioned that he wasn't necessarily told the difference, uh, that sense of moving, you know, moving into an executive role and not necessarily being uh, briefed about how that would be different and the different skill sets and the different approaches what's your experience of that? Uh, absolutely I mean there's no um, we don't walk around with a with a full-time advisor in life do we we, we have mentors and I think uh, you know to the listeners of, of uh, this podcast um, you know seeking those mentors out and, and understanding how you build momentum in your career and when to start positioning yourself for potential roles that you may be able to grow into I think is an important facet otherwise uh, you do find yourself I mean, there's a lot of failure in that first 90 days um, because once you're in it, you're in it. Uh, so building momentum in advance and having a, a view of where you might like to be, uh, working out how you get there, what you add to it if you do get there. Um, Is it kind of a universal um, issue or a situation? When anyone starts a new role at any level, <coughs> they assume they're going to get a certain level of briefing or training or advice and almost uniformly you don't get the amount that you're expecting to get. Is that just... I feel like whenever anyone started anywhere, they assumed, oh, I'm sure someone will show me what I'm supposed to be doing or they'll tell me this. And then they come home and they're like... That people just were like, no, go. And I just had to kind of guess what I was doing so, like so, everywhere. So I think that's right, Rick. But I, I think uh, a risk, and, and certainly I've seen it, I've seen your managers moving into the executive, is is a belief that what they've done as a senior manager will mean they're successful as an exec. Yeah. And and I think the, the, the real key there is, is understanding that it, there is a difference and almost moving into that uh, unconsciously incompetent phase mm -hmm to consciously incompetent and moving through that process to the point where you're consciously competent and, and just understanding that you are going to need to go through a learning process. Yeah. And so is the big transition between the senior management level and the executive level that the executive, it's from what I'm hearing, sounds like it's full of a lot more intangibles or uh, whereas the senior management level, you might be much more clear about where your focus is or what you what boxes you have to tick. Whereas when you transition to an executive level, there's a lot more sort of 
it's up to you to frame everything in the way that you want to frame it. Like the buck finally stops with you. The executive is, is the people who are shaping everything, I guess. And well, so uh, there's no one to tell you how to do it because it's up to you. Well, if we had a whiteboard right now, yeah, I, which I, know I do, you do. Oh, I mean, it's tiny; it's on my key ring. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would, I would draw up what has been a um, a very helpful picture for me around a pipeline of leadership, mm-hmm. and it uh, almost uh, the sewerage system of power. I call it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yes, oh, Rick Brown, fantastic. Yes. And uh, how does the pipeline flow? Well, it, it almost looks like a, a Z or a, a Z for our uh, US mm-hmm. listeners. And it starts with this first step that you take, which is moving from a team member to a team leader. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we know at, at this table that a lot of people uh, do not make that transition effectively. And, and probably of the, all the transitions, it's the most important one uh, in terms of leadership because it's that step from uh, I was the best salesperson, that does not mean I'm going to be the best at leading a sales team. Yeah. Well, it's uh, kind of that Peter Principle uh, situation in, in play across the board. Like, because you, you excel at one point, you naturally get earmarked to be promoted into the next level, but that's not that doesn't necessarily follow because because you sh- maybe you should stay where you are excellent because yeah, that's, that's where right. you're going to thrive. Yeah, that's right. But I think that step is, uh, as an individual contributor... Yeah, you are successful because of what you did, and then you become a manager, and you're successful because of what others do. Yep, yes. and yeah. that's the, the to me the fundamental step that I think cons. Yeah, and to. it is it is so fundamental. And if I think what experience tells us, and and we're, we're having this discussion with a backdrop of Australian corporates in some level of meltdown as we speak with royal commissions, and um, and I and I do wonder. Um, and we, we tackled this even in the cricket conversation, uh, putting people into leadership positions before they're ready. Uh, and I think we're starting to see some consequence of that coupled with a lack of fundamental training at the key step. So one key step is that move to team leadership. The second step is um, the step to being a leader of leaders. And uh, that transition is one where you start to go, hang on, I can't go directly to my team, the people who are doing it. I have to navigate through another layer, which is in this case the team leaders, and I have to learn to be more skilled at coaching, uh, which is, Adam, something you and I are very passionate about. Uh, How do I coach my team leaders? How do I also select the future team leaders? And that becomes a really important decision. The the topic we're tackling today is at least the next step, and that step is moving to leading the enterprise. Uh, and that is um, that is significant on so many levels because start to talk about the enterprises we, we lead. I know at, in this room alone, both of you led organisations, one, in one case, one that was listed, another case, a uh, massive global organisation employing many thousands of people. Uh, and you suddenly start to go, hang on, I'm one of the top five or six people responsible for decisions about where this enterprise goes and where it goes next, and it's on my watch. Um, so I'd like to go... I know there's more to it than all of this, but I, I fundamentally see even in those three steps you've moved dramatically to a position of um, immense power. 
and that and uh, and influence, and that can be intimidating. It, it can, and uh, <clears throat> as you were describing that, Kyle, I was, I was thinking about my only my own journey through that, and that step to being a, a leader of leaders and uh, not being able to go direct. I actually felt a, a loss of of power yeah, and control. Right. At that point, and then, then the realization that actually that the, the the power that you have in that that role is is applied differently, yes. and and therefore things such as as, as strategy, vision, uh, culture become more uh, important. Become more important. And uh, uh, if I'm honest with myself, when I started my career, I didn't really value those things and didn't think they were really important to the point where, as an executive, they were pretty much everything to me. Uh, and, what and was important to you early? Why wasn't it? Oh, sorry, sorry, no. Um, what was important to you early, like as in? As an individual contributor, it was being successful what I did day to day. And it was about me and what I, I delivered rather than uh, the, taking a, a broader perspective. The culture and the vision that could take care of itself as long as you were actioning all the, all the things yeah, you yeah. needed to do, ticking all your boxes at a high level, you're like, nailed it. <laughs> <coughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Kieran, I reckon... Um, and maybe this is unfair to put you under this pressure right now, but I reckon we need to still answer the question, what is an executive and what is, what's the difference? Because um, we're, we're talking about it's hard and it's different and it's confusing. But if anyone can define it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm your man, Rick. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I don't disagree with what was said earlier. I think the, the executive sets the path. That, 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 and Colin, a line that you have shared with us and our executive team over the course of time, which um, I think is really relevant, you're constantly choosing between what's right and what's right. Um, so that becomes the dilemma because when it's right and wrong, it's easy. You, you just choose right. But when you've got 15 shades of right, um, there's an opening there for you, isn't there, Rick? <laughs> sounds, like, sounds like a saucy book. Uh. Um, you know, then it becomes uh, it becomes a whole uh, a whole different conversation. Um, and then, uh, you know, I think there's a responsibility. I, I see, I see the success of uh, this is me personally, but I, I see the success of the of the enterprise as actually secondary uh, to the responsibility you've got to the group. Because I think if you get that right. Uh, there right, is a, there is a balance. The, what do you mean by the group? Well, once you've set your strategy yes. um, and you're, you're, you're in execution mode, um, you know, it's that magic of culture. I think if you can, if you can really embed um, that followership through the group, um, the, the, the success of the enterprise will look after itself. So you start to look back at that. Um, and when you talk about training, you talk about development, uh, you talk about uh, identifying the talent that uh, should be given its chance to rise, I think you become much more open, it becomes much more visible to you. Uh, and that stuff is really important if you can see it, because then, you know, those guys, it's, it just multiplies upon itself. Uh, and then I, I think what happens in companies that do it really well is the success becomes greater than you could ever have imagined versus focusing on a destination of where the enterprise might be next on your watch. The good um, thing about this podcast is that the more <coughs> we say the enterprise, the more we can market this as a Star Trek podcast. And that's going to open up a whole new audience. So if, anyone, if we could work the, the words uh, the enterprise, leading the enterprise, um, stuff like that, uh, this is going to be very easy to sell this podcast on many levels. Um, and so, and this, was that a starship? It was, a, yeah, Starship Enterprise. Um, so we're all just looking, we're all just trying to be Captain Kirk's out here. Um, get our 
enterprise heading in the right direction. Um, and so, so the question we're looking at, why do successful senior managers fail to make the grade as an executive? And so, I mean, as we're, we're sort of, exp- we're, we're learning here, um, different skill sets required for, for both things. And so you can't expect someone who excels at this set of skills to necessarily translate um, into these other set of skills. Um, doesn't mean they won't, but you can't assume they will. And so is this... I imagine this is the most common pathway you, you, you just elevate through the levels. But should people be looking at different pathways? What are the skill sets that executives need uh, that executives need that we could be sourcing people that excel at that because um, there are separate set of skills to senior management? Is there different pathways to become an executive? Uh, I, I would like to answer this uh, with a, a big affirmative. Uh, the affirmative being, in fact, I was on the way here today, I was listening to... Uh, Radio, and uh, we were, again, talking like about... Like it's the olden days. Yes, it's like the olden days, yes. Uh, not a podcast. Um, <laughs> and we were, the, the conversation was about executives in corporate Australia, and the commentary was made uh, that we need to be, you know, the classic things you hear, more diverse. Mm-hmm. and But interestingly, a, a term we'd used before on this podcast, mm-hmm. executives and politicians need to live a life. Yeah. And until they've lived a life... Yeah. Uh, Possibly that, not to the extent of uh, Kevin Spacey's character in no, House that's of Cards. Right. That's maybe, exactly maybe right. Maybe tone it down a little bit yeah. in terms of life lived. Uh, what's But what's intriguing, until you've lived a life, it makes uh, answering those dilemmas, the choosing between right and right, very difficult. Uh, you can't see the, uh, the, the, the greyness or you can't, you can't navigate your way through it. Um, uh, or you, you are too narrow in your thinking or you're too blinkered. So... Um, so, if I'm picking up one, I think you're asking, yeah. um, leadership careers could look like a ladder, uh, and it's a rungs, you know, step yep. step by step. And I think what we're actually asking more of our executives is to ensure you aren't running up that ladder too quickly. Kieran, oh yeah, I, I really agree with that. I yeah, uh, uh, in fact, back on the movie comment at the start, there another line that I sort of came in with um, today other punk. was, uh, uh, in fact, when I researched this online, they're, they're not sure who to attribute the quote to. I think it, I think it's Lincoln, but uh, whatever you are, be a good one. Um, and whatever that, you are, be a good what, one. Whatever you are, be a good one. Don't worry about what's next and the three things or where you're going. Um, again, you know, which started me thinking as, as we were getting ready for this. You know, there's, um, I, I think your working life, your work, uh, if my calculations were correct, about five million minutes. Uh, it doesn't sound like a lot. That's all you've got to contribute over the journey. Um, you know, it's, a, it's 100,000 minutes a year. Uh, you know, so... Uh, yeah, just so there's a piece to the side of all this that is just you know what gives you joy. Like I, you know, some some the greatest joy I get in my job is when which I rarely do now is when I jump behind the line and I, I cook stuff. Uh, I'm not a great cook, but it's the business we're in, and uh, but it's just pure joy. It's incredibly bad for business when you does it. Uh, <laughs> Check average drop, please. Complaints do not rise. Get him here yeah. and cook. It's really unhelpful business wise, but he keeps doing it. He can't okay. help himself. Can I just revisit this? So, Kieran, you, you, your organisation, uh, Global Hospitality, and uh, that moment when you get. Uh, in front of a kitchen or into a kitchen. I'm imagining an undercover boss situation where you've got like a fake mustache. <laughs> oh, hello, I am here to work for the day. I'm just a regular guy. <laughs> Don't mind me, That's I'm here to work. very authentic. Gee, get you into Mamacitas. Um, 
Yeah, that's that's where the joy comes from. It's it's not where the responsibility lies. Uh, but but culturally, that plays in at uh, you know at different times. You know, um, Disneyland and all all sorts of uh, major um, hospitality and hotel groups will, will play that sort of uh, walking the guest path type of uh, frontline mm-hmm. um, uh, journey with their executives. But I, I just genuinely enjoy it. Um, I think we all naturally enjoy getting yeah. our hands dirty, so to speak, and and being at that front line because you're doing a task. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you and I can't help but think that's part of this as well because the moment we lose sight of what it's actually like, uh, in fact, um, someone you know quite well, Adam, once said to me, our job as executives is to empower the person who's closest to the customer, to allow them to make all the decisions. Um, in fact, sometimes what we're here to do is get out of their way or to free up the system to make sure they can make the decisions that they need to make every single day because that's what matters. Um, so it's that sense of if you can't actually connect with what it's like to be out there, um, how can you make those good decisions? It's like in episode 17 of uh, original Star Trek when Captain Kirk wandered around amongst You're gonna the You're going to try shirt. this really. <laughs> he is, isn't he? You're Just- going to... Guys, you'll, you, you'll thank me later when we are getting hits from around the world. Rick, I'm going to remind you of how many spin-offs we already have in play <laughs> and um, none of them... In fact, this one hasn't quite worked yet. We yeah. just need to get Nothing's this one right. Nothing's going to off like Star Trek fandom, I That's tell you. Right. What did you say? Just do the do what you're doing yeah. well now. Yes. Whatever you be are, a be, a <laughs> be, a <good> <laughs> be a good one. Be a good one. Be a good host. If I could pick up on what you said earlier, Kieran, uh, about you, you've got to do something... Uh, and you know, I've seen executives or, or senior managers step up to executive at the executive level, and they carry on running the business exactly the same way. And I think there's a an underlying expectation around the executive table that you're going to bring something new to the table and change that that part of the business that you're running, in a, in a, take it down a slightly different direction, or, or make it better in some form. And just carrying the baton's not enough. Uh, and so I think that's definitely a, a trap because senior manager, executives don't want to fail, but you've got to take some risk and make a difference. And is it kind of a, a two-edged sword? What's the phrase? Poison chalice? Um, because you're hired for your vision and you have to sort of put your stamp on it, but sometimes that means getting rid of something that's working perfectly well for the sake of having your spin on it. Um, is that something that happens a lot? Executives are sort of forced to innovate in, even if it's not necessary? Yeah, I think, I think that happens and I think that becomes problematic if it's done out of ego. Yeah. So um, if uh, an executive is making a decision just to put their stamp on it, yeah. uh, that is really dangerous ground. Uh, so there is an expectation to change and offer vision and do something different, but you alluded to the first 90 days or the first 120 days uh, it should probably be a listening tour uh, in the sense of uh, I'm not going to make any major change or deliberate decisions until I really understand the nuance, including the nuance of how's my role just changed, mm. uh, even if I've come from within. Colin, you asked, for example, was at the start. I think, you know, two that 
sort of jump at me as we as we continue to talk about this. Um, one, one is that journey I, for myself. When I, I went and spent five years in the US, and and I, I it was actually a very freeing experience, emotionally challenging because you you give up. You've got to a point. You're going into the unknown. You sell everything you own, and you go to a place where you know nobody. And I. Uh, that, so that, that in itself is a hurdle, and a lot of people have, have jumped that hurdle. Um, I ended up ha- having once I did it all, I, I really enjoyed the fact that I was free from it. In fact, uh, I had the bag that I was taking to the US with me, and that was it. And I, I thought, Jesus, so freeing! It's fantastic. Yeah, right. I, mean, I actually don't worry about anything. I haven't got a bill. I haven't got a phone. I haven't got anything. Yeah. Um, it's like so being in the 18th. <laughs> <laughs> I just travelled from town to town in a van, <laughs> um, and and I actually ended up, uh, you know, renting a room for the first year that I was there in a in a guy's house that um, he was a corporate banker, and it was it was interesting for me to watch um, him how focused he was to try and get to the next job, you know, on the phone talking about. So the prize was always the next job and the next cash, but I didn't see much enjoyment in the role. Yes. Um, meanwhile, having having gone through that journey myself a little bit of self-discovery um i I was i started to really enjoy my role there's a lot of travel in it a lot to a lot of places that i hadn't been um and and it was difficult for me to buy the second bag of stuff because i I actually didn't want to go back this minimalist life was i felt like i saw the world so much better uh and then i then you travel to different places and learn different things and you and you you pick up on all the subtleties and all of those skills wash back when you need them and at at a different point in life so uh yeah Yeah. i I think for people on that journey that might be listening to here um you know there's uh there's there's leaders that sort of find their level early um and obama would be an example i suppose that you see in afl coaches now um and there's leaders that naturally find it late but but where it that natural landing point is is important i think not rushing that piece and what i hear in that story is uh, how do we find our moments of clarity? And it might be, in your case, freeing yourself up, just having one bag and little responsibility. I can see the world much more clearly. Um, and I think that's what we are asking so much from our executives. See the world with some clarity. Uh, you know, you're, you're empowered to make tough choices. Mm. Uh, please uh, take your time. Think that through. Don't... Make that about yourself, all well, of those pieces. We are going to have to bring the ship back into harbour. Yeah. Uh, it's been a beautiful sail, but uh, just to uh, help us get back into port, uh, to wrap things up, uh, any takeaways, any uh, thoughts, connections uh, from the discussion that we've had today on yeah, the sail? I might get Adam, you to kick this off. Some of the things that coming into this conversation you thought you know might be important to remind people of. Yeah, as I said at the beginning, it's such a big topic and, you know, I think we've explored a number of different areas, but uh, there's there's more areas such as uh, collaboration, communication style, uh, are you the right fit uh, that feed into this, this discussion piece. Um, but as I, as I think about uh, what senior managers can do uh, to help themselves get ready to make that step, um, you know, I think having a coach or a mentor and, and, and really starting to understand what that role of an executive really is before you make that step, yep. I think is... And what's the best way of doing that? Is that through conversation? Is that through I, I, observing? So I definitely think it's through conversation. It, it's hard to see it through observation. Right. Uh, you know, I think it, it, 
get out and talk to executives and, and about the step that they made and, and get them to articulate the difference yes. uh, so that they can start to understand it and, and in, in try and be an executive before you're in the role. So start to work in a way which enables you to, to already be seen and, and act like an executive. Yeah. So we often hear the term an exec, that executive presence. Yes. Um, what is that? Mm. And and that's that for me. A lot of it comes down to your communication style, the the way you hold yourself, the way you deliver messages, and and I think that that's a, a skill that can be learnt. Yes. Uh, so but, yeah, and I think it's right because I think it also picks up on that sense of confidence to be able to. I know I can make a choice, even though I'm not uh, overwhelmed by that choice. I'm not going to you know avoid that choice oh, and that clarity. Yeah. Uh, and in fact. For what it's worth, I reckon this might be a topic we tackle again because I get so many senior managers come to me saying, the feedback I got from the CEO is I don't have the executive presence. And they're going, what does that mean? What is it? What are they actually asking? The CEO wants him to take this tablet. Take this tablet. That's right. Yeah, so that's a really important one. So thanks for reminding us of that, Adam. Kieran. Look, I think I'd conclude with... Leadership in in any enterprise is a um, yeah. <laughs> is a, are you up for the service? Um, because it can't be about self protection, ego, all of those things. There's a responsibility that comes with that. And I think if you if if that's what you're really embracing, um, uh, then then it's all of the things that Adam just spoke about. Well, what does that mean? Who's good at? It? Who do you admire? Um, how do you get access to people that you admire um, to understand more about it whilst continuing the balance in your own life? Um, and if you, if you start to create that momentum, uh, you'll, you'll will it to be. Uh, if, it's, if it's right, you've got the capability uh, and the desire and your intentions are right, um, I, I think it's that, that sort of that step back, think about it, what do I need to do to execute this, who do I admire, how do I get in, uh, how do I learn um, and uh, you know, I'm sure that those opportunities will present at the right time. Yep, i got two, um, one's for senior managers and one's for executives, so for senior managers, uh, don't put the pressure on yourself um, um, sometimes you do get those roles too early. Uh, I, I liked your terminology before, uh, Kieran, around finding your right level at the right time. So uh, be careful what you ask for, essentially, is uh, inherent in that, in that. The second one is a bit of a challenge to executives who I... They might be an executive team, but they're still not quite where, where they could and should be. And... One of the challenges, and I think both of you will have heard me say this in the past, I often think an executive's purpose should be to be working on the things that are at least 12 months out. Uh, And when an executive team is less than 12 months out in their thinking, they're actually uh, interrupting the system uh, of the the level below, uh, and that is problematic. So either the executive is at fault or the senior managers aren't uh, stepping up, but something's amiss in the system. So um, I only offer that in the sense of that's a pretty simple but quite a powerful way of looking at uh, when I look at our agenda as an executive team, are we talking about things that are at least 12 months out or not? Uh, So there are a couple of takeaways. Beautiful. And for me, I mean, it was clear Mr Spock always uh, showed 
extremely good uh, sort of senior management skills on the enterprise um, and fulfilled his role amazingly. But whenever he was asked to sit in the captain's chair, he struggled. It was a tough fit uh, if, if Kirk was on an away mission. People weren't so happy when Spock was in the chair. But, um, you know, as he developed, as he learned, as he embraced his emotions, he actually rose to a very prominent level in the Federation sort of hierarchy um, because he didn't quit. He didn't see that as, a, as a knockback. And I think those lessons are proven time and time again in the Star Trek universe. They're proven here in the corporate world. Um, uh, so thank you to all of our Star Trek fans out there who uh, <laughs> have been listening loyally for a long time. And to anyone else who enjoys this um, fairly prominent Star Trek podcast that we've been working on, <laughs> we, uh, we thank you for joining the Leadership of Fools here today. Um, it is Stardate uh, 13762. And um, I am your captain... Rick uh, Kirk and <laughs> it's been a pleasure thank you all for joining me we have renamed the episode choose not what to do our mentoring hits number one have a conversation with an executive you respect start acting as an executive before taking on the role including mindset change leadership posture clarity number two you will need your own vision. As an executive, you must be able to picture a future state for the enterprise. And this future must be different to competition and current leadership. Number three, remind yourself what gives you joy. Strategy, culture, market conditions, global trends are not suited to everyone. Leadership of Fools is gathering momentum. If you want to get on board, feel free to jump onto iTunes to subscribe. That way you'll be up to date with all the latest episodes. And if you're enjoying them, rate us with all them stars.